hear the whispers from within Battles to restore, ailings to relieve Feel the nature keeping us, nature healing us Flowers, leaves and rules within Hear the mind calming you, soothing you Love and kindness inside out Let the herbs from middle world heal Welcome wellness, welcome wellness it's Revealed Herbs, Middle World Herbs. Hello and welcome to the Middle World Herbs Natural Wellbeing Series, where we talk about restoring and maintaining your health in safe and natural ways while incorporating both the physical and the emotional sides of healing. We go live once a week. Typically, it's been on Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, but we are changing up our schedule in June, and even we've started doing it earlier. We're going to start doing Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Wednesdays at 3 p.m., and then we're going to add in Thursdays at 3 p.m. as well. So you get to catch us two times a week, which is going to be so much fun. So last week on May 6th, it was a very special day. It was no National No Diet Day. And, um, oh, wait a minute, hold on guys. I think my script is the old one. Oh, shoot. Well, I have to change out my script. <laughs> that was last week's script. Oh, I was looking at it going, no, why are we talking about no diet day? Today we're gonna talk about joint support and I had it in there, but apparently it didn't keep. So I'm gonna reach over to the camera right now. I can do this live, it's all good. But maybe while I'm doing that, let me introduce our special guest and let her tell you a little bit about her story. So we have Dr. Jackie Leone on with us today. She's amazing, hey! <laughs> and she's a naturopathic doctor, psychology enthusiast, and a whole bunch of, just like an expert in everything we talk about here on our show. So Dr. Jackie, why don't you talk about your path to naturopathic medicine, and then I'm gonna get the right script in my teleprompter. Yes, ma'am. Oh, I totally understand. I did that one episode, and I was kind of freaking out as you were introing <laughs> because it did not match up. Um, so totally understand, take your time. Uh, in terms of naturopathic okay. medicine and me, um, I don't think, I think being an athlete my whole life and just really into movement and sports and dance and all those things, I kind of always was aware of joint stuff. Um, I'm so thankful that through everything that I have done and played, knock on wood, um, I have never had a major joint issue. I've rolled some ankles maybe. Um, but outside of that, I really didn't get super interested in joints until further along when I opened up my medical practice, I started doing regenerative therapy for anti-aging. Um, it's called platelet rich plasma therapy and, um, platelets, um, basically are almost like stem cells. They, they turn into growth factors wherever you put them. And I was interested, uh, in putting them in the face and neck and hands and things like that. A scar tissue, C-section, breast augmentation scars, those types of things to help encourage healing, um, cell turnover, get rid of sun damage. But what I was doing as I was learning is that it actually um, can be injected into joints and it can stimulate growth of things like collagen, cartilage, synovial fluid, um, joint tissue, healing the joints, because as we're gonna talk about a little later today, cartilage, tendons, ligaments don't have a lot of blood supply and things that don't have a lot of blood supply in the body take forever to heal. If you've ever had a joint injury or surgery and six months later, it's still creaking and cracking, you know what I'm talking about. So to encourage cell turnover, to encourage faster healing, um, we started doing joint injection therapy in my practice and really helping people um, get over severe pain. Now, fast forward two years and I hiked the Grand Canyon 
And uh, hiking the Grand Canyon um, at 30 is very different. 30, 32 is very different than 2022 in terms of age. And yeah, I really ruined my joint capsule in my right shoulder um, to the point of I had like no elevation. Um, it was basically like a dead arm. And thank goodness we had PRP in my practice because I did a round of PRP injections and I got about 85% relief um, after about 10 days, which it had been bugging me for months. So if that's any indicator that stimulating joint growth and giving the body what it needs um, to heal is very, very possible. And it doesn't have to be something as invasive as a joint injection, um, but you know, it can be from food, it can be from movement, from home therapies, from herbs, from supplements. So, you know, if you have an achy joint, I highly recommend listening up today and typing in any questions you might have, because there's a lot of supportive options to get you out of that pain. So ever since I had that experience, I am very devoted to helping people here heal their joint pain, body pains, old injuries. Um, you know, it, it really does increase quality of life significantly. So I'm excited to talk about today. Awesome. Well, that's good that your joint pain has gotten better. So that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the supplements that we're going to go through because I want to introduce them to you before we even get started. So we have our uric acid detox, and then I also have the joint support supplement. So those are two of them that we're going to talk about and just discuss how these can help you, especially if you're dealing with joint pain. And if you have joint inflammation, you might also want to try middle world immune support with quercetin and that's something just to keep on your radar as well for supporting your joints. So before we dive into all of that, let's just understand more about joints. So Dr. Jackie, what causes stiff joints? That is a great question. So um, there's not usually one causative factor. Uh, it could be a disease state, right? Like a um, itis of some sort, arthritis, bursitis. Um, it can be genetic, like degenerative joint disease uh, or autoimmune disease. Um, it could also be something like just not moving. If we're not using the joint very often, then it loses some of its elasticity, some of its mobility, uh, and joints can become stiff. So there's kind of a plethora of reasons why, but the most common are going to be aging, cold weather, right? Because, you know, then again, the blood flow, everything kind of constricts and gets closed. Um, and so cold weather obviously aggravates that overuse, underuse, nutrient deficiency, like things like fatty acids, which lubricate joints. These are all really common uh, factors outside of major disease states that are going to cause joint stiffness. Okay. So for all our friends and followers who are listening and watching us now, if you guys have questions for Dr. Jackie, especially about this topic, go ahead and put them in the chat because we do answer them live for you. And what's going to help if you have stiff joints? So a few things are happening that are important to kind of address. So for instance, if there's an underlying condition, you definitely want to go to your doctor and get tested. You want to manage the disease um, that, you know, with an appropriate care plan. For you, if it's lupus or arthritis, it's going to be a different care plan approach um, to something like, um, you know, sorry, that was, <laughs> I was thrown was off. You? <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> Our producer had an awesome ringtone and it took me back to high school for a split second. 
So um, sorry to everyone out there. But in terms of what helps stiff joints is addressing the root cause. So knowing your root cause, for instance, if it's gout, getting rid of the uric acid, if it is a disease state, addressing the disease state, um, if it is underuse or overuse, really addressing that. So there's not really a one size fits all for what can help, but taking, you know, again, addressing that root issue and then taking supportive things that are going to um, help nourish the joint, lubricate the joint and help with that cell turnover of repairing any damage that's happened in the joint. Okay, sweet. Well, let's jump into a game of true or false. So if you've never played with us, basically, I ask questions, Dr. Jackie answers, but you guys at home watching can answer in the chat. It's just kind of fun to see what we know and what we don't know. So hello to Abby and Gwen who are joining us too. So first question, here we go. Sugar can cause joint pain, true or false? Sugar can cause joint pain. I'm going with true. Well, you know, I think you're kind of in the health realm of things. Um, yeah, that that sugar is kind of the culprit of a lot of problems. Um, it's just pro-inflammatory, right? So anything that's going to cause inflammation can trickle down in any body system, really. So yes, of course, sugar can definitely add to joint pain. Now, is it going to cause it or be the direct cause of it? Um, probably not. But what's going to happen is if you do have a joint issue, uh, tightness, stiffness, pain, old injury, uh, disease state, and then you're putting sugar on top of that, eating high amounts of sugar, it's just going to exacerbate what's already there. So maybe you can manage at a two out of 10 pain level, which is low, but eating a diet really high in sugar consistently might make that pain a seven or an eight out of 10. Um, so sugar is a pain in the joints for sure. <laughs> it, you know, mm -hmm. contributes to joint pain, stiffness, um, and the, the aging process as well. It can make joints age a lot faster. Um, and once we get to a certain age and point, you know, healing is that much harder. So why add insult to injury? So yes, you're absolutely correct about sugar causing joint pain or at least adding to it. I feel like you need to make a shirt. Sugar's a pain in the joints and sell it. Yeah. Like <laughs> I feel like it should say sugar is a pain in the, and then leave it blank and you fill that in because if you have headaches, if you have weight gain, if you have joint pain, if you have skin rashes, if you have mood destabilization, if you have sleep disorder, hormone imbalance, just fill in your own blank because sugar is fill known to add to and exacerbate all that stuff. There you go. I love it. All right. Um, all joints in the human body are movable, true or false? I know the answer to this one because we we played this, <laughs> this yeah. one and I remember. So this is a falsy, right? There's some joints that cannot move in the head. You are head. absolutely right. Yeah, good memory. So we have yeah. joints that are fixed. They're known as fixed joints. The fancy weird medical term is um, synarthrosis, immovable essentially is what it translates to. So there are three types. We have sutures, which are the um, bones in our skull. So you know how we have uh, soft spots in the skull uh, when we're born, when we're infants? The reason is, is because those sutures haven't completely met up yet. They're still um, flexible and that's so our head can fit through the birth canal because if we were completely solidified, we would not be able to do that. Um, and so what happens over time as our, our fontanelles or those soft spots close in, we create sutures and they do not move for a reason because that's our internal internal helmet, right? That's what protects the brain. So they should not be moving. Um, the second is called a syndesmosis. Say that 10 times fast. Um, that's 
fibrous connections between bones. Like think in your uh, calf bone or your calf bone. In your calf, you have your tibia, which is that really thick, strong bone uh, that goes kind of down the center. And then your fibula on the side, those are connected um, by something called a syndesmosis. And then last but not least, people I think always forget that teeth are bones. So gomphosis mm. or ball and socket, peg and socket, pardon me, uh, like our teeth, those are immovable or they should be immovable. Now, if they wiggle slightly here and there, that's different, um, but they should not be moving once you have your adult full set of teeth, they should definitely be there for the long haul. So those are the three types of joints that don't move. And if they do, there's a problem. So go get something <laughs> All right, we had a couple questions come in. So Glenn wants to know why do knees and ankles pop and crack so much as we age? And if it doesn't hurt, is this any cause for concern and can it be reduced and prevented? Great question. So um, ankles, knees, other supportive joints, usually joints below the hip, um, tend to crack, crack and pop because usually we're not really stretching them as often as when we were younger. We're not running around as often. We don't have as many enzymes to help with any potential inflammation. Um, I personally feel relief when I go to, you know, bend down and tie my shoe and everything pops and cracks. Uh, it, as long as there's no pain, popping and cracking is a good thing. It's just releasing some air from the joint. The joint is moving around. So as long as there's no pain, there's no need to worry. Um, now, if you do have pain with the popping and cracking, I highly recommend going to see um, a chiropractor or someone who specializes in that joint, like if it's a foot joint, like a podiatrist or something like that, um, just to kind of get some imaging and maybe see if there's something else going on there. But yeah, um, <laughs> it's just part of aging. <laughs> Unfortunately. All right, well, James had a follow-up. So does the popping of joints lead to arthritis? That is actually a wives' tale. Um, a lot of people used to think so, like cracking your knuckles can add to arthritis. Um, but in reality, again, we're just releasing built-up gas that has built up in that joint. And so as long as there's no pain associated, then there's no need to worry. And some people really get a lot of relief uh, from cracking and popping. So if that's you, by all means, keep doing it. Um, the only thing that I would be careful of, it's, so it, in medicine it's called self-cavitation. Cavitation means the movement of a joint, right? So when you see people kind of popping and cracking their own neck, let's say, um, I would be really careful with any time we're adjusting the, the cervical vertebra um, without a guidance or a specific method. Um, just because sometimes that can cause misalignment over time and add to things like headache or um, you know, neck and, and shoulder pain and stiffness. But other than that, again, if there's no pain, then I wouldn't worry about it. Okay. That's really interesting. I feel like anytime we talk about joints and like knuckles, it makes me want to do it. It's like a yawn. Yeah. See a I yawn know. I almost hear it. Don't you suddenly Ooh, feel the I need? You're like, I need to. Does anyone else feel that way? Like just talking about it makes you be like, do I need to get all my joints? Anyways. All right. Next question menopause can cause joint pain true or false Let's see if anyone has any answers i remember i'm going true the answer is but a bum yes it's absolutely true so everybody wonders why and why you know because menopause only happens in um genetic women right so if you gender identify with being a woman and you're on um, hormone therapy, injecting estrogen, 
um, then you're taking an estrogen and won't go through menopause. But those of us who were born genetically XX chromosome, um, who do naturally produce estrogen, uh, there's a natural decline in menopause, right? And menopause is defined by 12 consecutive months without a period or menstrual cycle, okay? So when we get to that place, what's happening is our body stops making estrogen, which is the primary female hormone. And what estrogen's job or one of the jobs is, is to protect joints and reduce inflammation. Um, so think about it, as a woman, we are built to procreate. Our hips widen, we're meant to withstand um, in, you know, an increase in weight, an increase in volume when we do uh, you know, during gestation or pregnancy. So estrogen being present really helps protect those joints, um, helps protect against inflammation in those joints in order for us to do those types of biologically inclined things uh, like give birth. And then when estrogen drops, that's nature's way of saying, well, we no longer need as much support or protection for those joints because we can't give life, we can't procreate, right? So when those levels drastically fall during menopause, what we see is an increase in inflammation, um, a risk for things like osteoporosis, which is thinning of the bone. And we all know joints are where two bones meet up. So if the, the bone integrity is getting lower and we have no more estrogen being produced to protect the joint and as an anti-inflammatory, then we definitely see the potential for joint pain, um, arthritis, all of those things increasing in menopause. So if you are in perimenopause, which is inconsistent cycles, like two months on, three months off, you're not quite in the um, menopause range of 12 consecutive cycles, no period. Um, you definitely wanna start thinking about that. So um, supporting the joints with healthy fatty acids, uh, healthy herbs to help with inflammation and things like that. Uh, weight bearing exercises, just simple hip therapy. Um, you don't have to go to the gym and start lifting weights, but just something for your own weight, you know, push-ups, um, squats, things like that. That's going to help solidify uh, the density of the bone and help you prevent things like osteoporosis. So definitely be aware of that if you are in that perimenopausal stage. All right. Okay. So the next question is whether older people only get arthritis. So true or false only if you're older. Give a second here. And what is it? So the answer is kind of, um, when we see, you know, CDC reports, uh, the center for disease control, they, they have reports annually on different disease rates and the majority of, arthritis and joint issues are reported in 65 and older population, but that doesn't mean that it's only that population that suffers. Uh, about seven to 10% of people in our age group between, you know, 45 and younger um, can get any joint pain, uh, arthritis, those types of issues. Then it's about 30% in the next um, life cycle bracket, and then up to 50 to 60% for people above 65 and older. Um, and again, that's usually because of things like menopause in women and something called andropause in men where they stop making their sex hormones as well. Um, also, we tend to not work out or be as mobile, obviously aging with wear and tear, um, especially if you've lived a really hard life or have a very manual labor related job. Um, and then all these other factors too, with just what we're eating, what we're drinking, if we're resting, you know, that all catches up to us eventually. So it's not specific to that age group alone, but it does happen 
more often. Uh, it's more prevalent in the age group of 65 and older. And we're not talking about like rheumatoid arthritis, right? Because isn't that something that can happen younger or is that the same that thing? Can that can happen at any age. So you have two types of arthritis, okay? So you have first the osteo, which means bone. Uh, osteoarthritis is where bone is grinding on bone. Uh, we tend to see that in knees and ankles because again, those are at the bottom of our foundation. They're holding all of our weight, our up, you know, above the waist weight. So if we're obese or we've added weight on over the years, it's putting more strain slowly but surely on the things like the knees and the ankles. Um, so we tend to see it there. And that's usually just wear and tear. So athletes, um, people who, you know, again, are obese or have highly inflammatory diets, don't stretch or move. So that's just bone. That's just going to happen with age. Um, now, the second type of arthritis is called rheumatoid arthritis, and that's an autoimmune arthritis. That's where our own immune system sees our joint and attacks it as if it was attacking bacteria or a virus. So it's producing these inflammatory cells in the joints only and degrading the cell over time, uh, or sorry, the joint over time. Um, now that usually requires, you know, autoimmune drugs or therapies, medications, herbs, supplements, depending on how severe it is. And that can happen at almost any age, um, especially if you already have an autoimmune disease. So for instance, something like lupus, lupus tends to get diagnosed in your twenties and thirties, and that can be concomitant or come with something like a rheumatoid arthritis, not all the time, but it's very possible. Um, so that's, you know, an autoimmune can develop over time. Again, as we age, our enzymes are lower, our immune function is lower, we're more vulnerable to infection. Um, and so we see higher rates of rheumatoid and osteo the older we get, but you're absolutely correct that rheumatoid tends to happen uh, in younger years, again, 20, 30, 40. Okay. All right. Oh, hey, Freddie. What's up? All right. So let's get to our next one. So this question is dairy and gluten. Do those worsen joint pain? Dairy and gluten. Well, we just talked about inflammation. So I'm going to say yes. Yeah, they do. So you're, you're absolutely right. For the most part, yes. Not in everyone, um, but by and large, yes. So actually studies in the last five or seven years with the big gluten-free movement and celiac disease becoming more common uh, and tests coming out for it. What we're finding is there's a heavy link between uh, gluten and joint pain, especially people who have autoimmune joint issues like what we just talked about with the rheumatoid arthritis. So autoimmune forms of arthritis, um, just they raise your potential for developing celiac disease, okay? Because it's celiac disease is also Kind of autoimmune the, the immune system is attacking gluten which is a protein in wheat thinking that it's bacteria or a virus so your immune system's going haywire having a piece of toast um so the evidence just keeps supporting over and over again all these studies the last handful of years that celiac disease gluten sensitivity both produce lots of inflammation inflammation adds to joint pain like we know um dairy as well is contains two factors, a sugar, lactose, we all know, and a protein, casein. And most people are sensitive to one or the other, oftentimes both. And so if you can tolerate dairy, fine. You have no issues whatsoever. 
no, you know, you've avoided dairy and then you introduce it and you don't notice any problems with digestion or skin or energy or any of that, um, then chances are it's not going to be as inflammatory for your joints. But if you do have a sensitivity uh, to dairy at all, um, even mild, then anything you're eating where you have any reaction really, it's because of inflammation. So chances are it's going to add to any potential joint pain. So yeah, when in doubt, if you have joint pain and even just a mild like, eh, I feel a little gross after you know eating pizza or something, just avoid it um, if you want to see improvement in your joints. Totally. Easier said than done, but yes. <laughs> and those who like don't have any dairy, oh my gosh, you're the lucky ones. The lucky yeah. ones that love to Very rare. Very, very stuff. rare. Yeah. I know. I used to notice, I remember, like, I, I just remember having like a huge meal and I don't remember if it was carb heavy or dairy or comp, probably it was both. But I remember feeling like joint pain. And this was in my, probably in my third, well, I am, I just turned 40, but it was in my thirties. I'm acting like that was like decades ago. <laughs> it was like, I, it was like two weeks ago. I'm aging myself already. But um, yeah, and I remember like, oh no, I can't have joint pain. Like this is crazy. So it was completely a reaction to inflammation. So it's very, yeah. very interesting how fast your body can react to all that. Um, all right, well, let's do our next question. So if we don't exercise a lot and we don't put on a lot of wear and tear, does that mean our joints are going to last us longer? So. Um, so you want to skip the cartilage tendon one? Let's go. Oh yeah. Sorry. I skipped that one. Yeah. It's cool. We can, um, we can go back. We'll go back. Okay. Go back. So if we don't exercise much, we don't put wear and tear on our joints and they'll last longer. That's actually, um, a common misconception because a lot of people think that that's protecting the joint. When in reality, if you don't use it, you lose it is a very real adage when it comes to joint pain um, because things will get stiff when they don't get used. It's like a door that's remained closed. When you do finally go to open it, the hinges are, are almost rushed, rusted shut, right? So that's going to happen to our joints if we don't use them. Now, just like anything else, not enough of something is going to cause problems and deficiency, aches and pains, but too much of something can also do the same. So overuse um, is also going to cause the same problem, right? So if you open and close a door thousands of times a day, the hinges will eventually break, stop working, get loose um, to the point of damage, right? So we want that, it's, it's like the therapeutic window. Not enough will cause a similar issue then as too much. So we want that perfect window. And uh, in uh, chiropractic, physiotherapy, and the fitness world, you know, the old saying motion is lotion is very true. If you mm -hmm. want to lubricate the joint, keep it functioning really well, um, avoiding pain, aches, uh, stiffness, then we want to move it on a regular basis. Ideally 20 minutes a day of some light stretching, walking or movement will definitely help, um, prevent, you know, or keep us in kind of that perfect window of just enough movement to avoid major, um, injuries, stiffness, illness, arthritis, all that good stuff. Yeah. Every time you say motion, motion is lotion. It's like the, I love that statement. I know it's like such a weird saying, but it sticks with you and then you really can remember yeah. it. And um, yeah, I know you always like my little stories about my kids, but um, my four-year-old the other day, I was sitting out of her car seat and she's stretching and I like, got her out and I said, she goes, mom, stop rushing me. I'm, I'm doing my stretches. <laughs> <laughs> She was so um, 
Like getting her out of the car, she needed to do her full stretches. Well, yeah, she needed to <laughs> do her so full funny. stretches. Have you ever like had that just no. full body stretch when you wake up or just have been sitting too long yeah. and like try to cut it short? It's like, um, excuse me, I have to stretch, yeah. okay? It's like cutting a yawn in half or something. Like it just doesn't feel right, you know? I love that. I Except she likes to do her full body stretches. And then I got her this little like workout outfit and um, she's like, oh, it's for yoga. And I was like, yeah, it wasn't for yoga, but <laughs> it was so cute. Like putting her little mat out. It's really cute. I love that. She knows knows what yoga, but... Oh yeah, they do yoga at daycare. They like know, she like knows the positions and everything. It's so cool. I know, my six-year-old niece, same thing when she was in school. You know, she's four years old. My sister's sending me pictures of her in down dog. I'm, I'm just like, yes. this is amazing. This is incredible. I so love that. So cool, right? I know. I remember about 10 years ago, I was on a beach walk and I passed these two little kids and in the sand, they had drawn little like rectangles next to each other. And then I heard one little girl say to the boy, okay, let's play yoga. I'll be the teacher. And I was like blown away. I was like, oh my gosh, kids play yoga. This is the coolest thing. So it's so cool to just see that that's a normal thing to like do nowadays. Cause yeah, I didn't grow up knowing what yoga was. That was not no, taught no, to no, me no. in the schools. Yeah, so it's it was cool. it's like so they cute. I love that. I know it's so, and it's so good for them. And just anyway, so motion is lotion. It starts young. You do not interrupt a four-year-old stretching. She will yell at you. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> All right. So I skipped a question. So the question was: Cartilage and tendons can grow back if they're torn or damaged. True or false? What do you think? I remember this one is like, uh, like possibly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're know. absolutely right. Yeah. And yeah. I wanted to, um, make sure that we attended to this because it, it definitely relates directly to the substances. We're going to talk about that, that can help facilitate the regrowth of cartilage and tendons and things. So I think like this foundational information is going to be helpful for people if they are suffering from joint pain. So cartilage mm -hmm. is, um, the flexible connective tissue that keeps joint joints moving right and fluid movement not clicking not catching um they coat the surface of the bones because remember joints are bone to bone and so it's like this nice little covering uh, on the end of the bone that has it's kind of like our shock absorber it, it cushions bone against the impact um and so it's not as rigid as bone but it's stiffer and less flexible than something like a muscle tissue and muscle tissue gets a lot of blood flow, right? So we can build strength really quickly with muscles if we maintain working out. Um, but it's very difficult for the body to do the same with cartilage, again, because it's stiffer and has less blood flow. Um, and so when we damage cartilage, again, it is possible for it to grow back and or heal. Um, but it just depends on how attentive we are to the injury and issue how consistent we are with therapeutics, supplements, foods, and things like that. Um, just because again, things that don't have blood flow won't heal quickly. Uh, and then tendons. So tendons connect muscle to bone and ligaments connect bone to bone. So now we have bones covered in cartilage and then they're going to be kind of like, um, think of the way a bridge is held together, right? With all those tight wires, that is the ligament holding bone to bone. Then to move the bones and flex or extend a joint requires muscle movement and muscles attached to that joint or to that bone through tendons, 
Okay, so we have cartilage, ligaments, and then the muscle is the tendon. And they all are supposed to withstand wear and tear because we move our joints every day, right? Sometimes without even thinking in our sleep, it's very automatic. And so because we have so much movement in our joints, we want a lot of tensile strength, right? We want fibrous, healthy, thick things to help protect the joint, keep its integrity. Um, but with that benefit comes the detriment of when and if it's damaged, it can take a long time to heal again, just because of that lack of blood flow. Um, so it can grow back if it's torn, depending on how torn, like micro tears, when it's majorly torn, a lot of times, uh, you're, you are going to require surgery or something like that. Um, and so again, it just depends on how attentive we are, um, how consistent we are and exactly what has been damaged. Uh, because some things are harder to grow back and harder to fix than others. And then like at the top of the hour, when we were talking about the PRP, that's kind of a good intermediary because if it's not like a micro tear or just wear and tear injury, but it's not as severe enough to require surgery, it's kind of in that middle ground, like my shoulder was, the PRP is great because it adds that blood flow and that nutrition to the joint to help stimulate the healing. So there are options on all spectrums, depending on what the issue is. Um, but if you just don't give up, because it can be daunting. Some people are like, yeah, three years ago, I tripped down the stairs and my ankle hasn't worked since, you know? Um, and, and a lot of times it's because they just want to forget about it and ignore it and like, I'll oh, let it heal on its own. Right. But it, it's consistently science and studies have proven that when you are focused on the healing process, you attend to it consistently in that therapeutic range. Again, not too much, not too little. That's when we tend to see things regrow and repair at a much faster rate than if we were just to kind of, you know, put it on a shelf and hope it heals on its own. Wow. Yeah. Don't give up. I like that. That's good. <laughs> Don't give up. Okay, so <laughs> up on that ankle as we age is it natural that we're just gonna start having these joint pains and aches what do you think uh yeah i think it is unfortunately unfortunately it's true um ligaments and tendons you know they hold joints together and they just over time become stiff stiff leathery like you know that kind of thick leathery a uh, little bit more solid um osteoarthritis can start degrading or rubbing down that cartilage in a joint. So, you know, aching, soreness, pain as we age is, is pretty common. Our muscles can get tighter. Uh, we lose muscle mass, tendons and ligaments become less flexible and more rigid. Body just naturally takes longer to heal because we're not producing as many enzymes, right? And enzymes are kind of like the little hatchets of the body. They break things up, whether they're digestive and our to break down food or they're in our joint to break down inflammatory cells. We just have less and less as we age. Um, so if we're not taking them consistently or we're not doing something to help support our natural enzyme production, um, you know, it's just kind of part of the process. It's a bad you between wrinkles and joint pain. It's just inevitable. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Next up with arthritis can forecast the weather based on their level of joint pain true or false and i'm gonna say the cold weather does have a big impact so maybe true you are right um yeah a lot of people think that it's a wives tale uh like the the cracking of the joints causing um arthritis or something but this one is actually very true okay so as 
temperatures change, what happens is air density changes. Um, and so when things are warm, they move really fast. Um, you know, think about, I always think of kind of like the chocolate fountain. It's like when things are heated up and melting, it just kind of flows. But what if it was, you know, freezing cold outside, everything's going to get stiff and solid and freeze. Right. So when the air density changes to be that much thicker, um, so warm air is less dense, cold air is much more dense. That density can affect the gas in the joint, right? Because that's what we're doing when we're popping and cracking, we're releasing that gas. So that atmospheric pressure, um, you know, the, the density changes in the air, it irritates nerve endings. Um, it can change the pressure in the joint, all causing pain. So yeah, that's actually very, very common. So when people say, oh, I think there's a cold front coming in because my shoulder hurts or my my, you know, my, my meteorologist knee, um, I had a teacher say that <laughs> my knee is a meteorologist. It can always tell me when it's going to be cold tomorrow. Um, and it's very true. It's very true up to, you know, just a few degrees. The body can tell. Wow. That's super, super interesting. I think um, that's so cool. Last question. I know. I think it is really cool. Um, so the last one gout only happens to older people, true or false. And for this one, I'm going to say true. I have a lot of cases of gout in younger people, but maybe define older. I don't know. Yeah. So uh, I think the term older is relative because technically most people yeah. are diagnosed with gout between 30 and 50. So are we older? Yeah. Mm. Um, I feel yeah. like we're older than your kid's age, you know, um, but yeah. we are clearly very, very far from elderhood, right? Um, but the chances of getting gout increase as you get older, for sure, just like most disease states um, affect men and women of any and all ages. But usually it's diagnosed between 30 and 50. Um, and women tend to, we see that later in women, about 45 to 55. Again, that's just uh, because of menopause. So estrogen that's protecting those joints, causing anti-inflammatory reactions, helping also the kidneys and the heart and everything just function better. When we don't have estrogen, multi-systems are affected. Um, and gout is uric acid crystals kind of populating in the joint, causing pain. And crystals are really sharp and jagged. And so that's what's really causing that pain. So if we're not clearing the uric acid from our kidneys um, quickly enough, if our diet um, is high in purines like meats and seafoods and things like that, then that will definitely add to it. And so a lot of things just kind of catch up to us the older we get. So this is that gout is actually technically diagnosed younger than something like osteoarthritis, which is like the 65 and older group, but it is still on the older end of things. And it is associated also to menopause. So definitely be aware if you are in those populations. Yeah, man, you're making me scared for my 50s. <laughs> right now, I'm going to live for today in my 40s. And um, that's right, so one scare tactic because you earned elderhood, everyone. You have lived your life. You have made trial and error. Every line on your face is because you laughed or cried or felt the feeling. It's just about awareness and then what we could do to prevent it. So the fact that you, you know, drink kombucha. You're very aware of movement. You're married to a triathlete, right? You're active mom. Um, you're in the health field already. So I definitely would not be super concerned, but if you do notice yourself in like the next eight to 10 years, um, and me, I'm right behind you. I'm 38. Um, if we, when we notice uh, perimenopause happening, 
that's really when we want to start hitting things like joint support, nutrients, herbs, um, foods, things like that. That's when we want to start hitting it a little harder because that's going to set us up for success and help make the estrogen drop. That's inevitable for us. Um, not as painful and it'll definitely take the edge off. You know, the bottom won't fall completely out from under us. Instead, it'll be kind of a nice gentle decline into menopause instead. (laughs) Sure. All right. Um, yeah, Gwen said aging is a blessing. Yes, I, Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. I feel like the age I'm at is the age I like love the most, you know? So it's like, once you're there, it's when you just look ahead, like, Oh, you know, but once you're there, it's like the best and all the wisdom you have, you just look back and you think of all the did yeah so yes Gwen I exchange yes could I bounce back from things like injury or not sleeping as well could I burn the candle at both ends a little bit more uh 10-15 years ago yeah but I was also um not as confident and not as secure in who I am and I kind of gave way too many you know SHITs about what people thought of me uh which adds to anxiety adds to insecurity Uh, I don't know if anyone else can relate. So the older I get, it's like, yes, I'm living at a slower pace. I I don't go out socially as much because it doesn't fulfill me as much. I've done the whole drama thing in relationships. I've, you know, pushed myself in all these capacities. So yeah, it, it is slower, you know, things are changing, but I wouldn't change it for the world because I'm much more grounded and centered, right? My mental health, my physical health, I'm much more aware of who I am, what my processes look like. So even if I am falling apart, I know how to put myself back together uh, more efficiently, more effectively. Um, You know, you know who your friends are, you know who your support system is and all that comes with aging. So I gracefully welcome it (laughs) compared to the crazy cyclone of everything happening at once 15 years ago in my 20s, you know? Yeah, totally. Well, Abby said 40s are the new 20s, so amen to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, hopefully you guys are all enjoying our show. If you have not hit the follow button yet, go ahead and hit the follow button. That would be super appreciated. You can also follow us on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, YouTube. It's at Middle World Earth. So follow us there as well. But we love when you follow us on Amazon. So hit that follow button too. All right. So Dr. Jackie, in your practice. What joints are you most commonly seeing injured? Why? That is a really good question. Um, I think again, it is the joints we use the most, right? So knees, ankles, shoulders, uh, tend to have the most common injuries. Um, it also kind of depends because when we were doing joint injection therapy in my practice, we did see a lot of like low back pain, which is vertebral pain. Uh, it's kind of like where your pelvis and your back or your spine connect, um, you know, your SI joint, sacroiliac. So again, your spine is meeting with that sacral joint, which is at the base of the, um, the pelvis, essentially. It's kind of like where everything meets. It's your major hinge of your body. Your top and bottom are coming together. So that's also a commonly injured. Anybody who um, has had back pain can probably attest to that. But other than that, it's gonna be peripheral joints outside of the center. So we see a lot of shoulders, rotator cuff in particular. If you have a rotator cuff injury from sports or just overuse, you totally get it. Um, And then again, sprained ankles, uh, runner's knee, or um, just overuse ACL tear, MCL tear, which are all, you know, medial anterior collateral ligaments of the knee. So 
again, that's sports. If you're juking around and have to find your balance and shift your weight often, like things like soccer, tennis, um, uh, basketball, then you're going to see knee stuff, ankle stuff. Um, so those are usually the most common joints, the shoulder, low back, knees and ankles. Okay. And then what's better for treating everything? Is it hot or cold? What do you find that helps the most with joint pain? It's a really great question. So it kind of depends in the, the level of pain. So if it's an acute pain, let's say you just sprained your ankle, you really want to help prevent swelling because swelling is going to add pressure to the joint and add to pain. It's going to kind of crush not necessarily crush, but put pressure on the nerves and nerves are what sense pain for us. Right? So in that case, you definitely want to stick to ice initially. Um, and you want to elevate the joint because that's going to help the fluid and the blood and anything inflamed kind of travel back down to the heart and, and, you know, use gravity to your advantage for sure. Um, when it comes to something more chronic, like an overuse injury, um, then we want to do what's called hydrotherapy or contrast therapy, which is a combination of both. Um, so what heat does in the area is it's going to take our blood vessels, which are kind of like a hose and blood is constantly going to areas to get oxygen and nutrients. It does its job. And then we have veins bringing the deoxygenated, um, denutrified blood back to the heart to be reoxygenated again. And so we have this dual highway of these hoses, right? So we want to manipulate those hoses to accommodate more blood flow, right? To the area, because again, things heal faster when there's more blood flow. So how do we get the hose to go from its regular kind of middle of the road diameter to expanding its diameter to really cause kind of like a waterfall effect uh, of nutrients and blood and oxygen and all that good stuff to the area? Well, we're going to want to add heat because heat causes things mm -hmm. to dilate. Now, once we saturate the joint with all that good stuff, how are we going to shut that off? How are we going to stop that pooling to be able to shunt the blood back to the heart to get reoxygenated, re-nutrified and all the stuff we need? Well, how do we shrink it? We zap it with cold and cold again, just like cold restricts airflow, cold restricts movement. It's going to restrict that hose back to be smaller. And so what we're doing with the contrast, hot and cold, they contrast, right? Is we're creating this synthetic pumping mechanism in the blood system of the body. And that is what's going to help encourage more blood and oxygen to the joint and carry more of the crap away that needs to be filtered out through the liver and kidneys and cleared. And so when we're creating that exchange, the body's doing that already with the heart. Think of it like this, right? And it's going to be slow and steady to heal. But when we can use hot, cold, it's going to increase that movement and that exchange. And anytime we can do that, we're going to facilitate healing. So again, if it's acute, you want to elevate an ice. If it's more chronic, stiff, painful, post-injury, we want to do contrast hydrotherapy to help with that. Okay. That's really good to know. All right. Well, let me talk to you guys about our joint support. So this is by Middle World Herbs. It includes 1200 milligrams of chondroitin, 1500 milligrams of glucosamine, and 2000 milligrams of MSM per serving. So Dr. Jackie is gonna help us demystify those ingredients in a minute. But first I just wanna say it is a brand new addition to our family of products. And we were able to launch this in our Amazon store in January 2022. So each bottle is gonna be 60 veggie capsules and the full dose is five capsules per day. So this is a 12 day supply. 
and that's why it's only 13 um actually 14.99 on amazon but you have to click that little banner and you're going to get an additional 20 percent off during the live so we like to give you guys a little extra perk for shopping with us during the live so you're going to get that um, also, let's spend just a few minutes talking about those three powerful ingredients that I mentioned, the chondroitin, the MSM, and the glucosamine. So Dr. Jackie, those really don't sound like plant names, but if they're not botanicals, where are these compounds coming from? That is an awesome question, and you're absolutely right. So they're not um, plant or phytochemicals. They actually come from animals, shellfish, um, and, and actually MSM does come from some plant foods, um, but chondroitin, for instance, chondroitin is a complex sugar and it's from the cartilage of animals, primarily cows, pigs, and sharks. Um, and so when we are using, you know, those animals for meat primarily, what do we do with their bones, cartilage and connective tissue? A lot of times we harvest that, uh, to produce chondroitin. Um, then when we move on to the glucosamine, glucosamine is harvested from shells of, uh, or the, the external skeleton, exoskeleton of shellfish. Um, and that's usually extracted in a lab. Um, so, you know, every time you peel a shrimp or you, you know, eat a lobster or a crab, anything that has that hard exoskeleton, that protective measure, uh, that's gonna contain glucosamine and that's where we harvest that. And then last but not least, MSM. So MSM is more plant-based, um, but we see it in non-plant foods as well, like beer, raw milk. Um, we're also going to see it in coffee and tea, but in terms of plant foods, it's going to be primarily in alfalfa sprouts, tomatoes, deep leafy greens. Uh, it's pretty high in apples as well. So, you know, MSM is kind of half and half where the others are definitely, uh, sourced from animal products. Um, again, the chondroitin, if you can remember is pigs, cows, sharks, and then glucosamine is shellfish. So if you have a shellfish yep. allergy, please be, be weary, be careful. It, you know, in yeah, terms absolutely. of glucosamine. Yeah. Yeah. This one, your, this, your allergy warning is right here. If you have a shellfish allergy, you skip this one. If you're vegan, skip this one. <laughs> um, but let's focus a minute on cartilage. So Dr. Jackie, we talked a little bit about it earlier, but what is it? And, oh no, we talked about that already. What is it and can it regenerate? We did that one. So let's talk yeah. a little bit about who should consider supplementing their diet with chondroitin, glucosamine, and MSM, and who should not. So, um, sorry, I keep I keep misaligning the script. I thought no, <laughs> I thought we were going to go more to glucosamine and MSM. So I have. Could you tell us more about chondroitin, glucosamine, and MSM and their role in cartilage and joints? <laughs> Oh, I'm so sorry. No, no, no. I will definitely jump into, yeah, whatever question we have. Um, but essentially just you, little... you are, you're keeping me honest today. I love it. So, um, I really do want to lay the foundation a little bit more than just the food sources yeah, for why, yeah, why these substances are so important. And that's kind of why I, I reviewed cartilage, ligament, tendon, because it's going to kind of work into um, explaining a little bit more about these substances. So the cool thing is, is each of these substances has its own superpower, but what we noticed in um, medical studies is the synergist effect that they have when they're combined. So these three things combined, um, are used very, very effectively in, tr in treating things like osteoarthritis, 
muscle damage, um, inflammatory joint disease and disorder, um, stiff, achy joints, post-injury, post-surgery, all of those things that could be potentially degrading a joint. The three things working together, uh, we notice substantial improvement compared to groups that don't do anything at all. Like I said, put it kind of in the shelf and like, oh, the body can handle it. So chondroitin, again, um, is usually, uh, it's a sugar and it's taken from the cartilage of animals, but chondroitin sulfate, which is the form of chondroitin that you, you want to take, it increases cartilage matrix. And cartilage, like we said, if it's bone to bone, it's that shock absorbing um, thing that covers the bone and when the bones meet, right? So we always see that cartilage wearing down. It's almost like a brake pad that wears down. So when you, you put on your brakes and you hear the squeak in your car, um, that's what's happening in your joint is you're just wearing away that pad. Uh, of cartilage and chondroitin is fantastic for helping rebuild that matrix matrix, pardon me, making the tensile strength of the cartilage much better um, and producing collagen in the joint. And collagen is what helps things stay, um, you know, flexible, but strong. So they don't get rigid and they don't just become strong and cemented, but they're strong and also movable, which is obviously what we want in a joint, right? Because joints are constantly moving. Now, when we move on to glucosamine, glucosamine, again, is the shellfish, right? It's from the exoskeleton. So what makes that awesome? Well, what's going to happen is that produces lubrication to the joint. It creates the flexibility of the joint or adds to. So what we noticed is when we administer glucosamine, what ends up happening is we're giving the body the building blocks to make things called GAGs in the body. Shorthand is GAGs. It's a gross, weird acronym, but that's what it's called. I don't make this stuff up. Um, <laughs> but what that does um, is, so when those are present, the function of GAGs uh, basically means that they limit cell hydration and structural scaffolding. So what, what we wanna do is basically make sure that that scaffolding, like again, with the bridge, um, and holding things together we want to make sure that that structural scaffolding is there but we want to make sure the cells are hydrated and nice and plump and movable and so the glucosamine is going to encourage that so now we have the cartilage doing its thing uh, we have the actual ligaments and cartilage of the joint maintaining that scaffolding but also that flexibility at the same time and then last but not least here comes msm and msm contains sulfur it's built in the name the long name of MSM is methyl sulfo, say this 10 times fast, <laughs> sulfonyl methane, methyl sulfonyl methane. Ooh, it's crazy. So just stick to MSM. But anyhow, the reason I gave you the full name is because it contains sulfur in the name. And what sulfur does is it's found that MSM adds to the anti-inflammatory, antioxidant, pardon me, effects uh, of joint protection. And so just like we talked about um, you know, in menopausal women, once we're not making estrogen, inflammation and oxidation, uh, oxidative stress increase su substantially in the joint. MSM is a great way to combat that. And sulfur, which is in MSM, is a major component that plays a super important role in collagen production, helping turn glucosamine on more, aka making those gags, that's that scaffolding. I kind of laugh in the back of my mind every time I say gags, it's so weird, but it, it's just the medical term. Um, and then when they work together, they help with healthy bones, healthy joints, uh, the production of immune cells to help fight inflammation, infection of the joint. 
So all the way around, we're, we're checking off multiple boxes again when we add them all together. So it's not about utilizing one of them singularly. It's really about the beneficial symbiosis of all three together. And that's what makes them so powerful. And time and time again, no matter what study, no matter if it's a little, a moderate amount or a lot given uh, to different groups, we always are seeing improvement in mobility, decrease in pain, um, decrease in inflammation, uh, reversing osteoarthritis and or stopping it in its track so it doesn't get worse, all because of these three things together. So I just wanted to make sure we highlighted why they're so awesome. Cool. Do you want to briefly talk about who should take it and who shouldn't? Oh, heck yeah. Okay. So if you're on a blood thinner, if you're on Coumadin, if you're on Warfarin, if you have something because you have viscous blood as we age sometimes, right? If you're a baby aspirin is one thing, but if you're on an actual medication, um, that's a blood thinner. Sometimes there's an interaction there. So definitely talk to your doctor before taking a supplement like this, because it can, um, potentiate those effects. Also certain cancer medications, uh, because again, we are you know, lowering inflammation, which has to do with the immune system and cancer meds address and or interact with the immune system. Also, anti, um, <clears throat> pardon me, autoimmune drugs. If you're, if you have an autoimmune disorder and you're on autoimmune drugs, you definitely want to prevent, uh, or, you know, not take them and, or talk to your physician to make sure that there's not an interaction. Um, and then last but not least, if you have an allergy or a dietary restriction, because again, these are sourced from animals, these are sourced from shellfish. So if that is you and that's your population, definitely be careful. Um, studies are kind of mixed with pregnant breastfeeding women. Some say it's 100% safe. Some say it depends um, on the health of the mother um, and the child, right? Especially if they have concomitant issues, like do they have gestational diabetes? Do they have hyperemesis, which is constant vomiting during pregnancy? Um, do they have autoimmune issues? So if you are pregnant or breastfeeding, you definitely want to talk to your doctor about it. So those are kind of the red flags to me for if you do have any of those issues or concerned with any of those issues, please don't just kind of self-treat in this regard. You want to make sure that it's under medical, um, you know, you have a medical professional helping support your care plan if you do choose to take the supplement. Okay, good. Good um, disclaimers on all that. Well, I am going to jump ahead on you, so get ready. Hold on to your script. Yeah. yeah because I want to get to our end, and we only have about 15 more minutes. But before I do that, I don't know if you guys looked at our title, but it's Let's Go Biking, and we never once said why. So in case you're wondering why are we talking about biking, it's because tomorrow is National Bike to Work Day. It's on May 20th. So if you work remotely, you're like, I have nowhere to bike to, you could just take a little ride around your neighborhood or jump on your peloton if you have that if you don't at all that's okay go for a walk you know just use your own two feet but it's all about movement and um that's our tie-in is our theme today is from national bike to work day so i love that tell people why we're talking yeah <laughs> all I right sent, i sent a link what? to some family and my sister's like oh we're taking a bike ride this weekend i don't care how hot it is because we're in florida so it is extremely hot and humid but yeah, she's like, we have to take a bike ride. I'm determined. And I'm like, yes, let's do it. Let's celebrate our joints for sure. Yes. Do you guys have your own bikes or do you rent them? Well, I am currently, and I've borrowed my car about six months. It kind of has taken permanent residency at my house. <laughs> um, so 
technically I don't own, um, but I do have access to some cool bikes. And she she has a few different bikes from uh, a road street bike. I think she has a beach cruiser too with a cool little basket. So yeah, we have a lot of options. I love biking. It's one of my favorite ways to get around. Um, I haven't done it as much recently as I want to, but I definitely plan on, it's just hard when the weather gets this thick and kind of humid and hot. It's yeah. like 10 minutes on a bike. Might as well be an hour when it's like the spring or fall or winter, you know? Yeah, I always love when you travel to a city and you can just like rent the little bikes and go around the downtown and see everything. Yeah, yeah that's always favorite. I love that yes. too. And then fun fact, I had an ex an ex boyfriend who I only dated for four months, but he gifted me a beach cruiser. So I still have that. It's like the best. Yeah. <laughs> hey, at least you got a bike so, out of it. I got a deal. And it's a cute bike. It's lovely. Yeah. It's very pretty. So funny. So all right, let me just skip ahead a little bit. So one of yeah. the things that you might have missed on this are these cool little charms. And I'm not going to give you the full backstory because we don't have time, but it has a really cool, unique backstory. However, what I love about these charms is it's just something positive, like a mantra or something for your mental health. And this one says you talk to your contact list. And my other one here is a body in motion in motion. So not only do you get these great supplements, but you get this little like date, this little reminder when you take your supplement. And that's a big deal here at Middle World Herbs. We like to incorporate the physical and the emotional side of healing. So Dr. Jackie, in connection with joint health, is there any connection between like our emotions, stress and anxiety in our joint health? Oh yeah, definitely. I think any, any physical issue or manifestation, um, there's usually a mental emotional component. I mean, we are two sides, that's two sides of the same coin. If we think of our whole existence as a coin, you know, I mean, we're multifaceted, but um, yes, one is inherently connected to another. So like if anyone right now, just for a quick 45 seconds, we want to close our eyes and think of you know, a really wonderful, loving, warm experience, someone you absolutely adore that when you look at or engage with, you just light up, you feel warm and cozy. Right now, focus on how you feel about that person or that thing, you know, focus on what's going on in your body. Are you smiling? Do you feel like you're sitting up a little taller? Um, in your physical body, you are literally releasing chemicals called endorphins and oxytocin, uh, which endorphins limit pain. Um, they help um, quell pain receptors. Uh, and then oxytocin is the bonding hormone. And so it makes you feel closer, more connected, less isolated, which both of those combined shift our nervous system from sympathetic, which is that fight or flight, into parasympathetic, which is rest and digest. And when we can stay in that rest and digest where we're releasing endorphins, where we're releasing oxytocin, what ends up happening is our body is absorbing nutrition better. Our organs are functioning more efficiently. Um, our muscles are not as tense. Our nerves uh, report less pain. So everything is just functioning at a slower, more grounded, more loving and healthier place inflammation lowers, our heart rate lowers, our blood pressure lowers, everything gets better simply because we thought of somebody that we absolutely unconditionally love. So that being said, and I'm not going to put everyone in sympathetic state, but let's just say that the exact opposite is true. So when we're focused on issues, problems, stresses, things not going right in our life, 
um, you know, the opposite will happen and we'll release adrenaline, we'll release cortisol, which is the stress hormone. Our body physically shifts into the sympathetic nervous system, thinking that we're actually dying, uh, when in reality, it is a deadline at work, a fight with a partner, um, you know, a concern of a loved one. So the body, the nervous system can't tell the difference between a perceived threat, AKA a thought, or a literal threat, like being chased off the road or chased by a tiger or something, um, you know, and it's ingrained in our limbic system and it's there to protect us. But what ends up happening because we live at such a high stress level, uh, especially in America and in industrialized countries of the go, go, go of the make more, do more, be more, that inherent pressure definitely overstimulates the nervous system gets us stuck in that sympathetic state where we're constantly releasing such high levels of these chemicals that over time will degrade our health, um, increase inflammation, increase oxidative stress. And whenever that stuff is very high and we don't take that time to relax and reset, then damage happens, right? I mean, I, four years in med school might as well have been a decade to my body. Um, the, the wear and tear, on certain aspects of my body and my mental health, just really pushing yourself to that limit, living in sympathetic for so long, it can be super difficult to shift back and retrain our body and how to get into that relaxed parasympathetic state. So our mind, our thoughts, our emotions are inherently linked to our physical body. Um, and depression has been shown to increase aches and pains in joints, um, headaches, things like that. Um, anxiety as well. So we want to be very, very careful about our thoughts and we want to be mindful of them and check in. Are we in our conditioned fear state self? Um, or are we in an, our, our authentic faith-based trust kind of in the flow parasympathetic self? Um, because one is going to degrade health and one is going to repair and build health. And so 100% there's a mind body connection. And I hope everybody can focus on someone that they love or something that makes them feel warm and fuzzy every time um, they catch themselves being in that fear state, that's the quickest, easiest way to kind of realign or change the track from sympathetic to parasympathetic is just breathe and let your thoughts guide you. Cause if they guided you astray, they can get you back on track. Totally. I love that. I love you. I do think of my love. But I always think of like, just like a holding a whole bunch of puppies and <laughs> just letting them like love on me. Yeah. I can get me there. Too. Puppy puddle. Oh, yeah. The cuddle puddle. It's so nice. Puddle puddle. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we have more incredible supplement. We have about 10 minutes that we can talk about it. So this is our uric acid with tart cherry and pomegranate. And this is actually our best seller. So in addition to tart cherry and pomegranate, there's a whole bunch of other really great herbs. There's celery seed extract, coffee, green coffee extract, milk thistle, cranberry, yucca, devil's claw, and turmeric. It is 60 veggie capsules, and the suggested doses on this is gonna be two capsules a day. So you can grab this one right now. It's on special for $13.59, and you get an additional 20% off during this live. So it does, it might seem weird. Why are we talking about uric acid when we're talking about joint health? So Dr. Jackie, tell us a little bit about that connection. Yes, of course. Okay. So uric acid is produced when we break down purines and purines are just that it's a thing that's in certain foods and substances. So beer, 
um, meat products, shellfish, sometimes, you know, different foods contain purines, which is totally fine. Our body has mechanisms to break them down. Um, but what happens is usually one of two things. Either we are producing too much uric acid too fast for our kidney to keep up because maybe we're keto, uh, for example, and all we're eating is meat, all we're eating is shellfish. Um, and so we're losing antioxidant phytochemicals from um, a lot of like carb rich foods, uh, fiber rich foods, um, you know, that we might not have in the diet. And so that's just an example. Uh, but when we're eating all those uh, purines, we're feeding the pathway to make uric acid. And again, the body can break down uric acid fine. It can filter it through the kidneys at a nice regular pace. But what, what happens is, is if you overfeed that pathway with uric acid, the kidneys can't keep up. So where does the uric acid go? Well, it's gonna travel to things like your big toe, your ankle and your knee. Those are the three big ones um, that we most commonly seek out. And those jagged uric acid crystals are gonna take up home um, you know, and, and set up shop in those joints and those jagged crystals are going to kind of cause all that damage. Um, the second way that that can happen, maybe you don't eat a lot of purines, maybe you're vegan and you're like, I still got gout. What happened? Then I would look at your kidney function because maybe you're not ingesting a lot of purines, making the uric acid at high rates, but your kidney could be sluggish or, um, damaged in, in the sense of not being able to filter it out fast enough. So it's usually one of two things. We're either feeding the pathway too much or the kidneys are struggling. So when we can't get rid of uric acid, the uric acid, again, forms crystals and makes their way, um, gets all cozy in those joints, causing pain, and then we get gout. Okay. So let's talk about those 10 amazing herbs that are in this uric acid detox. So how are they effective for kidney health and gout management? And what about if you don't have gout? Would these be good for you too? Yes. Um, in my, my professional opinion, yes, because the herbs, um, that are in the uric acid supplement are systemic herbs, meaning they can work in all systems. So things like milk thistle, for instance, I got kind of excited. I think it was last week when we were talking about milk thistle yeah. because it was the first herb I ever investigated in med school. Um, but that's just great for detoxing the body, specifically the liver. So anytime we can support detoxifying organs, that's going to help us clear the crap that's kind of floating around, right? Um, just like we want clean air and the best way to do that is change your filter regularly. It's the same thing. We want to support that filtration in the body. Uh, turmeric, for example, which is also in there is highly anti-inflammatory, highly antioxidant and anti-carcinogen, meaning it prevents cancer cells, uh, the formation of cancer cells, which is great. So those help regardless. Uh, they help all over the body. Um, and then when we're talking about things like tart cherry, pomegranate, cranberry, basically those nice rich red berries and fruits, what we're going to see is really high levels of vitamin C in all of them. And why is vitamin C important? Well, vitamin C is specific in clearing uric acid. So of course, we're going to focus on plants and foods um, that are specific to clearing uric acid. Uh, and in this case, vitamin C being so highly antioxidant and specific to helping clear uric acid, it's just a win-win. So again, it, it's also a systemic antioxidant, helps the immune system, helps with inflammation outside of just the joints. Um, then when we're looking at gooseberry, which is the amla or amla berry, that's very, very rich in antioxidants um, and reduces the risk of things like chronic heart disease. We see it lower the potential of diabetes. It's also anti-carcinogen like turmeric, which means it prevents cancer cells or mutated cells from developing. Um, and then again, 
they are also high in vitamin C, uh, gooseberries. So um, the amla berry is very good at checking multiple boxes and helping, again, systemically, but also specific to joints. Um, and then the last one, because I know <laughs> we have time, but um, is the chancopedra. So that's going to help balance out uric acid and prevent gout, gout attacks. If you do currently have gout, it's also going to prevent gout from forming. Um, a lot of studies have shown that they significantly decrease, this plant significantly decreases uric acid levels as well, helping the kidneys filter it out faster, um, pulling it from joints and up and out of the body. So all the way around, whether it's because it's anti-inflammatory, antioxidant, or specific to clearing uric acid, it's a great combination to, to focus on uric acid for sure, but also to support the kidneys and also to support multi-systems like filtration organs like the liver and things like that. So it is um, a fantastic combination. Lots of, lots of powerful stuff in there. That is great. So everyone scoop up the uric acid detox. You're gonna love it. Grab the joint health too. So you have two things in your arsenal for your joints. And as we wrap up, what like three quick things would you want to leave people with, especially if they just jumped on late? What are some of the really good takeaways? Um, I love your idea. Uh, sugar is a pain in the. Um, yeah, sure. <laughs> we should make a t-shirt. Yeah. So when in doubt, yeah. um, just avoid stuff that's going to add to the pain, right? Take away the bad stuff, sugar, dairy, gluten, uh, when possible. Um, and then we want to add the good stuff and we want to support the joint. So supplements, herbs, foods, really eating to use food as medicine to help support healthy joints. Um, and then last, but obviously not least, I saved the best for last, our favorite motion is lotion, right? We want to move our joints, everyone. Yeah. So we don't want to move them too much and not enough. We want that perfect in the middle motion is lotion. If you do have an injury, uh, another saying is you want to go to the pain and discomfort, not push through. So go to, not through. And that way you can protect the joint from uh, further damage. So those are my little quips and sayings for today to kind of sum up in your take homes. Yes, we're going to create Middle World Herb merch and we're going to have mugs that say <laughs> yeah. sugar workout tops that say motion is lotion. <laughs> yeah. And then we'll get a that the pain not through the pain <laughs> yeah yes we should that'd be awesome all right everyone thank you so much for joining us we always have so much fun with everyone you guys are amazing hit the follow button if you haven't already we love seeing our regulars too you guys are incredible the support you give every single week we're back next week we are back we're doing our thursday i believe what's the day we went with yeah so we are back next week and we look forward to hanging out again. So good night, everyone. Have a fabulous rest of your evening. Bye. Hear the whispers from within, battles to restore, ailings to relieve. Feel the nature keeping us, nature healing us. Flowers, leaves, and rules within. Hear the mind calming you, soothing you. Love and kindness inside out. Let the herbs from middle world feel. Welcome wellness. Welcome wellness. It's revealed herbs, middle world herbs.